Welcome to another episode of Take the Hill, a podcast dedicated to connecting you with leaders demonstrating significant leadership within their respective fields. So Dennis, Angelo, welcome back to the show. Hey, Patrick, how are you? Hello. Welcome, welcome. So we have a very special guest here today, uh, who I'm going to introduce in a moment. Um, but I want us to reflect upon you know, the idea that you know, you know, we certainly should not diminish, I think, the lessons and the loss and human experience over the last year. Yet at the same time, you know, now more than ever, we need to begin turning into the wind and looking forward towards the horizon. You know, our guest today embodies this ethos, you know, his passion and his energy typifies the vibe that is infused within the hospitality industry and especially the restaurant and hospitality scene within the Pittsburgh area. And the reality is, you know, quality is never an accident. It's the result of an intelligent effort. And I firmly believe that. And Michael, who is here with us today, you know, his, his, his intelligent effort and keen attention to detail has positioned him as a staple in the restaurant scene here in Pittsburgh. And we are honored to have with us today, Michael Goldberg in the studio. So Michael, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi guys, thanks. It's a real pleasure to have you here today. So for our listeners, like you said, you, like you said, it's that attention to detail. And we, we were discussing this before the show a little bit as well. You know, where, you know, could you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got into the industry? Sure. Uh, I've been uh, in, in the hospitality world since I was about 16 years old when I started working at a pizza hut um, and worked my way up from, from you know, doing dishes to uh, eventually managing uh, restaurants. I did a lot of managing here in Pittsburgh. Um, and then I moved away and moved to New York City. I moved, lived in New York City for about 10 years. Um, and there I worked uh, in and out of the hospitality business, but always dealing with customer service. Um, I worked in a modeling agency as well as doing restaurant work, um, but I really kind of honed my skills working in the theater district in, in Midtown Manhattan, um, you know, in a very busy restaurant and worked my way up from server to bartender to becoming maitre d' and eventually a manager. Um, I did that at quite a few restaurants that I worked at and um, just kind of over my career, I've, I've, I've done that at quite a few places. And then after I left the modeling agency, I became known as a fixer. I decided to go back to restaurants and uh, got a name as a fixer. And so people would hire me to um, kind of, uh, you know, rework what was maybe they feel they could be doing better with customer service and became a real kind of expert in, in, in that world. And so every place that I've worked since then, um, I've been kind of that person. How can we make the guest experience better? How can we make the employee experience better? And um, how can we grow that into, into a better, more efficient kind of way? Excellent. And that experience, no doubt, probably has left some lasting impressions, both in terms of how you operate today, or even just growing, you know, within the industry itself. What was it like Absolutely. making, what was it like making the jump from Pittsburgh to New York, right out of the bat? Um, I, I, I mean, it, it was definitely a shock. I mean, there's definitely a, a, a different way of 
you know, kind of everyday living that happens in New York City. I like to tell people that, you know, New York City is a place where, you know, you, you, you have a choice about what you wear. And once you walk out your door, nothing else is your choice because you're um, in, in a lot of ways assaulted by a lot of things that you may not have encountered in the place that you grew up or where you're originally from. And so there's a lot of things that you're just, um, you know, kind of forced into doing. Um, it's a very fast paced city. So you have to, you know, that's something you have to adjust to very quickly. Um, I mean, it was definitely a shock, but it was definitely, you know, the first time that I visited New York, I, there, the energy and the vibe coming off of that city was something that really kind of captured me and said, I have to find a way to, you know, make some money and, and move here. And, and, and I did. So. Yeah. Hey, Pat, or Michael, I, I had a quick question. Um, not to get off track here, but, I, and again, just to kind of help our listeners understand and maybe to help myself understand since I'm not in the industry, but uh, when you say you're the fixer, that, that just takes my mind right to like in, in uh, Restaurant Impossible or what's the name of the show or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, and I, you know, I, I, that, that, that is exactly um, how I kind of think of myself. And, you know, recently, right before, you know, kind of uh, pandemic happened, um, you know, I started my own company called Brave Hospitality and, and it came out of that, that, um, that, desire for me to do that and also um, requests of, of other industry colleagues that had been calling me and asking me to be involved in certain projects over the years and those were jobs that I took at, at you know at you know, as a GM or a food and beverage director and then it became you know when I when I left um, the Oaklander hotel um, I started getting phone calls and and friends were calling me asking me for advice and asking me for um, you know, hey, you know, can you consult on this project to help fix like, you know, this, this fast casual restaurant that's kind of struggling. And so, um, yeah, it, it came out of that thing, you know, that I have, I have a really great um, kind of innate ability to be able to see the bigger picture which I think is, um, you know, a number one kind of leadership quality that you have to have is being able to look at the bigger picture and kind of remove yourself from it. And so I, I've, I learned that very young. I would even say I learned that when I was, you know, 16, 17, um, looking at, you know, my managers and being able to um, see how they manage the people around them, seeing where their struggles were, seeing um, what I liked about how they responded to me as a, as a server or a dishwasher or or, you know, whatever. Um, and then, and then thinking, you know, how could I do that better? You know, and I'll say when I lived in New York, and I, I, I decided I was working at a, a modeling agency and decided to go back to restaurants. I said, how can I be the best manager that I would want? And so every job that I've had since then, I've always tried to remove myself from it, my ego from it and look at myself and say, how am I, am I the manager that I would want? And if not, how can I change to be a better manager? So um, yeah, so I, I, I have been asked to come in and, and look at, you know, budgets and look at, you know, um, food costs and look at, you know, um, service standards and say, you know, what are we, you know, people said to me, what are we doing wrong? How can I fix this? That's such an important aspect of leadership, specifically you know, across industries that you had at such an early age. You know, the yeah. fact that you're able to have that holistic perspective, but then also you're very introspective. Right? And the fact that you could tell when your ego might be out there a little bit too much, especially in a field where that might be pretty prominent. How do you, how do you get to that point? Because I would imagine, you know, if you're, 
if you're in a, in a just take a kitchen or even behind a bar mm-hmm. details are very important time right. is very important and customers could be a little demanding all right yeah 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 <laughs> i i think i think i mean it took me a long time it took me a long time to to get to that and really for it to become like uh you know second nature for me but um it 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 took a lot of um making mistakes. I mean, I mean, that was the biggest thing was I made a lot of mistakes, especially as a young manager managing people that were, you know, that were next to me behind the bar or next to me as a server or next to me as a host. And, and now I'm their boss, you know, and we're the same age and, 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 it, and it, it was hard. It was really hard. But, um, but I knew that I was asked to do the, that, that role for a reason. And so I had to be, open to saying to myself you like you're not you're just you know yelling at people and that's not how we want this to evolve like we want you know you were asked to do this because of what skills and i really had to take really long hard looks at myself to say you know why did you know this owner or this manager you know ask me to be a manager and i had to say well they asked me because i have great customer skills they asked me because I'm a team player and I'm willing to jump in and collaborate with people whenever that that is needed, you know? And so I had to remind myself, I had to start finding ways to, um, and I still do this to this day, start finding ways to share my experience in the way I attack certain goals or tasks and start trying to teach people how to do it for them, you know, and say, you know, how can I approach this so that they, can pick this up and somehow understand it and maybe they can find their own way to get there. Uh, Michael, you know, I'm also a little intrigued here by this fixer. Yeah. Uh, fixer role. And I too was starting to think of all these like entertaining shows that really uh, kind of display that in the restaurant hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am curious though, as this self-described uh, and by many others, uh, fixer, have you ever come across a problem in the industry that you couldn't fix or uh, have you, what was your biggest challenge as a fixer if you have been successful through each endeavor? Um, I, I, yeah, yes. Um, yes to both of those things. I think, I think that, yeah, there's definitely been, you know, um, you know, jobs that I've taken, especially when I moved from restaurants into being a food and beverage director of a hotel where I was overseeing not only, a, you know, restaurant operation, but now I'm overseeing an, an event operation also and that that uh, adds a whole other kind of layer onto it because now I'm working with not only my own team but I'm working with a much bigger team and um, and so uh, yeah I mean one of the biggest challenges I had I think coming along the way was that I was really great at customer service that was very clear it's just an innate ability that that I that I have and I possess um, but it became how do I translate that into, um, you know, creating more covers, creating more revenue, making this more efficient, budgeting correctly, budgeting so that we can grow, budgeting so that we're not um, uh, kind of downing ourselves. Um, and that is really um, where probably my biggest challenge was, was being able to take that and put it into a really kind of technical aspect and an analytical aspect and find a way that I could understand it that would be able to translate, you know, to a bottom line and a flow through for, for, for business. And, and Michael, you bring, just, oh, I'm sorry. 
Uh, uh, just to finish that thought, because this fixer thing really is intriguing because I feel like there are fixers in every industry. They're needed. Um, and, and so I'm really intrigued by this, but it also sounds exhausting. And that's kind of what I want to ask you about is like, how do you maintain that role? It sounds, I mean, for people to count on you constantly to fix the problem that is maybe having people lose their jobs or the entire business go under. That's a lot of pressure, yeah. man. How do you deal with that? It is. And I, I think that, I mean, I put a lot of pressure on myself, that's obvious, um, because uh, those are roles that I've taken. But I've also, um, I'm really, I, I love a challenge. And I've always been uh, really a manager, especially, but I've always been a person that if you're, if, if there's a challenge in front of me, um, I'm going to attack it. And I'm going to attack it in a lot of different ways. And, and I think that that's another great you know, kind of aspect of a great leader is being able to be adaptable, right? And so it's like, it's being able to remove my, uh, I've been hired for this role. And then I've been, I've been able to, I've been asked to do these tasks. So now I have to find a way to remove my own ego to be congratulated, right? Because that's not really what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is, is, to, is to run an efficient business that is, is creating revenue, essentially. And so I, I got to find ways to do that. And, and for me, that comes through being adaptable and being able to welcome change rather than resist change. And I think a lot of managers, especially in the restaurant industry and, 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 and hotel industry are used to doing roles in a certain way. And, they, uh, and a lot of um, managers uh, in this industry end up in, in, in those roles without any um, you know, formal kind of training. Um, there's a very, there's a small group that, that do end up there. And there's of course, programs that, that, that you know, Harold, you know, being, uh, having those degrees. But a lot of us end up being there, you know, you know, uh, you know, kind of by taking a right turn somewhere and end up in those positions. And I think that um, it does sometimes become about ego for a lot of people. And that always set me apart. I never understood those people, but I use them as a, a, a tool to find out, okay, what, what are they doing that works and what are they doing that doesn't work? And then I'm going to do all the things that they're, that's not working so that it works for me. And that was adaptability for me. And that's a, that's a huge you know, core factor of how I manage and how I try to teach managers that, that, that I've led and that have been part of my team. You know, you've got to be adaptable. You can't take everything you know, to heart. You, you, you can't take it personal. You've got to remove yourself from this situation. You know, I was telling a friend the other day, you know, a lot of my staff, a good, a good many of the staff that I've, I've, I've you know, I've worked with have come to me in the middle of a shift or after a shift to express concern or, or frustration or, or they're like in the middle of, of it and they're like panicking and I just look at them and they're like, well, are you going to say anything? And I'm like, um, yeah, I just don't have an answer right now because I, at the moment they're, they're, they're acting from an emotional place, right? And so I have to be adaptable. No, that's an emotion that I may not necessarily agree with or I may agree with in the moment. But I got to remove myself from it. I got to look at what, what the real struggle is here. And is this, for me, it always comes down to, okay, is this something that I've created? Have I created this culture? How can I fix it? How can I, you know, guide this person through it? 
and you know or how can we change it you know and so those are the things that i always think about especially before i you know respond or before i really kind of um you know lead a staff to to a different place for me it's it always comes down to being adaptable to change and being able to say hey let's try this and if it works great and if it doesn't then we change it we change it to something that works and something that's more efficient hey michael um <clears throat> You know, this fixer is uh, the key word for the day. Um, <laughs> as if we had the sign come down, key word for the day, fixer. <laughs> fixer. Um, I, I think Patrick brought up a great, I, I really loved what Patrick said at the beginning, and I, I don't know if I'm going to quote him exactly correct, but uh, he said quality is not an accident, but, uh, you know, it's a well-thought-out strategy. And right. I had a friend who was a, a restaurant uh, individual who was very, prominent in the restaurant business years ago, and then he ran the culinary school and blah, blah, blah. But he used to talk to me about some of these things. And the one thing that he always told me is the profit margin being so, so um, tight in the yeah, restaurant business. Absolutely. That you, you, even how you cut your cheese or cut different things makes a difference on, on whether or not you make a profit or not, or how you cook your dinners, whatever. And, sure. but my question would be, and I've also heard that there's these people that like to throw around money and own a restaurant so they can bring people in to eat for free. And they really shouldn't be in the restaurant business. Yeah. And, uh, and especially today with what we're dealing with, uh, even makes it tougher. Now, I know this is going to go away. I'm just talking in general. Uh, but if, as a leader, when you begin to advise individuals or you walk into a place and you realize this person shouldn't even their name shouldn't even be on the, on the, on the uh, ownership of this restaurant. They should, right. how do you handle that? Um, well, I mean, that, that is, that has been something that um, has, has, uh, you know, I'll, it's, it's been interesting. It's been interesting for me um, because before, you know, I was, I was hired to be in a role and I was hired for that, you know, and a lot of times I would sit in interviews or, you know, there was a few jobs I would be interviewed and maybe not get the job the first time. But when the person that did get the job wasn't, you know, performing the tasks that they needed to, they would come back to me and say, hey, like, you're the person that we need. And so uh, the ball was always kind of in my court, right? Um, and now being a consultant, and be, being asked to come in and look at things, you know, I, I, part of my process is spending a lot of time um, talking to owners and managers, and then staff and finding out, you know, what people are enjoying about their job, what they're not enjoying, um, where the struggles are, where they feel the struggles are, and then really kind of listening. And then, and then I put together, uh, you know, a, a proposal, you know, and in, in my proposal, you know, I vaguely outline kind of what I think needs to change. And as I approach it, you know, I, I think people who have gotten to know me and people that, you know, maybe hire me to do consultant work know that, um, know that I'm a straight shooter. You know, there's, there's, there's no kind of messing, messing around, you know? And so like, if, if you're going to ask me, how do I do this? Well, do you want the real answer? Because here's the real answer. The real answer is that you got to change your name. The real answer is that you have too many things on the menu. The real answer is that you're so, you know, you know, you're so personally driven by your own experience that you're not actually seeing what the real problems are. 
and that you have to kind of remove again you have to remove yourself from it and look at the bigger picture because you know and and so i'm very upfront about that you know you know i had one client who just kept telling me that you know he had been in the business for 30 something years and i said that's great but that's obviously not working here and i had to just come out and say that to him and he goes well you're right and i said so do you want to change because if you don't want to change then we can we can close up and i'm out you know what i mean um, but you know, if, if you want this business to survive, here are the things that you have to do. And this is all from my personal experience. And this is from, you know, the, the years of me working. And, you know, I also tell people that everything's interconnected. A lot of people think it's just about food cost, right? Or a lot of people think that they're buying things that are too expensive, cheese that's too expensive or meats that are too expensive. And, and, and then they're not charging enough. And I'm like, well, that comes down to, a lot of other things, you know, what, what, what is the market that you're in? What, what area of town are you in? What, what does that usually support? Are there, do you have competitors in that area? And so it's, it's, again, it's for me taking a look at the really big wide picture. And I, um, you know, I, I do this a lot. I take, I always look at the wide picture of things and then I scale down to, okay, let's get down to the specifics. Let's work from the specifics. And if we start at the smallest, part of this the smallest detail that will start to inform how everything else happens yeah this is a, a really valuable discussion michael and i think you know our, our audience is definitely going to appreciate this you know because we talk about how you again you started in the dish room washing dishes and you worked your kind of way all the way up and mm -hmm. having that experience enables you to have i think that holistic appreciation as well as being able to then jump down into the details and navigate those two completely different environments, but in a way that's really effective. How, how can you, how does that, how does that knowledge or how does that then there transform in your experience to having those courageous conversations? Because I know, you know in speaking with you know, individuals throughout various industries, you know, they, they may be very direct and they, they may have that experience in that background, but still sitting down and telling somebody, you know what, you got to change your name, you got to change your food. All right, this is not going to be sustainable. How did you get comfortable? Even though you, you were good at that? How did you get comfortable having the actual conversations? Um, I, I, for me, for me, it came to um, really taking a hard look at uh, the experience that I've had the places I've worked in. And I, I, I say that I, I really did do this. I took my resume and I looked at every place that I worked. And I tried to remember every role that I filled while I worked at that place. And I remembered, okay, these are the things, you know, and then I wrote down kind of like little, you know, kind of adjectives as to, you know, these are, or, or, or actions as these are the things that you did there. And this is why you got this position. And, and so then I looked at all those words and realize these, here are the things that I'm good at, right? And I realized that through, you know, I think sometimes as managers, we just, we just get into this like management thing. We're just supposed to be managing, whatever that means, but we kind of forget what that actually means. And then we also forget what we're actually good at. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I was not good at budgeting really until I started working in hotels because I, I didn't necessarily have to do it a lot because when I was GM of restaurants, you know, there, there was, there was a corporate head that kind of oversaw that and they just kind of guided me and pushed me to say, you need to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, I can, I can create more covers. I know how to squeeze more people in on a Saturday night. Like I can do those things. Those are skills that I have. 
But when I became a consultant, I had to really take a long, hard look and say, okay, like if somebody approaches me to do this thing, am I actually good at that thing or am I not? And so I, when, I, when I really took a long, hard look at the things that I'm really good at, then I said, okay, well, you know, I, I know I'm good at these things. So if people hire me and you ask me about something that pertains to them, I'm going to say, well, this is, this is what it is. You know, that's, this is the right thing to do, or we should try this. We should go this direction. Um, and, and it gave me really the confidence to be able to sit in front of people and say, you know, I don't know how to do that, but we can figure it out together. You know, and I've, I've always been um, that person also. I come from, you know, a performance background and I come from, you know, a place of collaboration and that, that's a, a passion of mine. Um, it was a passion of mine when I was a performer and it's in, 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 in a, you know, a theater director and whatnot. But um, it's really a passion of mine now. I work better in collaborative environments. I think I work better on collaborative teams. And so I always try to create some kind of collaboration um, with, you know, and, and that to me is, you know, I walk into work and I don't see, um, I see everybody collaborating together that evening, a successful evening in a restaurant or a successful operation um, in a hotel or, you know, a successful event um, only goes by everybody collaborating together and, and me trusting that everybody on that team can perform the job, you know, the, that they were hired to do. And if we are all doing that, then we're going to be successful, you know? And so I don't really see, um, even, even if we may miss the mark a little bit, I still see it as a success because we found out what we're not good at, right? We found out collectively where we where we're missing. So okay, next time we do this, then we need to we need to add this aspect in. We need to add this skill in. We need to hire somebody that can do this because I can't do that and this person can't do that. And so we're missing. We have a missing link here. And so I see that as I see those as opportunities rather than um, you know wallowing in and us failing in some kind of way. You know. Michael, um, I have a quick question. I, and everything we've been talking about today is transferable to other businesses. I, I hope our listeners understand that. It isn't just yeah. about restaurants, but, but um, as a biz teacher of business, um, you know, I used to years ago, I guess you could see that I have a great beard. So I've been around for a while. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, um, you know, the old school was to teach profit, profit, profit. And, you know, I don't teach that anymore. Or I'm not sure I ever did, but the old school professors did. But I, I, I teach about, and I don't know if you know the term, but triple bottom line, which includes people, planet, and profit. And what it's saying is that you can't have one without the other. So I guess when you start dealing with some of these restaurant owners or business owners, and they're all about profit, 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 because I could tell just by way you're talking, that you embrace the triple bottom line uh, mm -hmm. concept. So as you're dealing with these individuals and they're fighting with you saying, no, no, profit, profit, how do you convince them that people are, they, they contribute to your bottom line, they contribute to uh, the profit or, uh, you know, being aware of your, of your surroundings and your community, bring profit or contribute profit to the bottom line. How do you fight that resistance? Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that I know how to answer that fully. I don't know that I know how to articulate it fully because it, I, I do believe in that. I do, you know, I constantly tell 
um, people I work with that, you know, that, uh, that everything is interconnected from the, from how we hire people and what that process looks like, what that process feels like to how many covers we have on a Saturday night. Those two things are definitely connected for me, you know, because if I'm, and I, and I, 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 I constantly remind people that, you know, it's, it's, it's not about just getting more people in the door. It's about how do we create a great culture and an environment where people want to come in and then they want to bring people back, you know? And um, I remember when I got uh, hired at the Ace Hotel, you know, there was, there was a lot, there was a lot of concern about um, really um, finding a way to get more covers, right? And finding a way to boost, you know, lunch service and, and dinner service. And I said, I don't know that I have the answer for lunch. Lunch, lunch, is, lunch is a weird enigma. It depends on what city you're in and, and what, what you're surrounded by. You know, that, that dictates a lot of lunch service, especially in a restaurant. Um, and then, you know, it, 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 but it becomes, for me, it became about, I can, I can increase covers and I can do that by um, starting to look at, you know, what are we offering? How can we be creative about what we're offering? And how are you, how are we better marketing ourselves? You know, and I think that that's, that's, that's a new, um, it's not a new business thing, but it's, it's coming to a forefront, right? It's coming to the forefront of like, how are we better marketing ourselves? Um, and not just in the traditional ways, not putting up billboards or, or ads in newspapers or magazines or, you know, online somewhere, but how are we, how are we using our teams to market? Because that's really what is going to create, um, you know, especially in, in hospitality, that's what creates people coming back. That's what creates great reviews on Yelp and TripAdvisor and, and Google. And that's what kind of creates that buzz that we start talking about. And, you know, especially here in Pittsburgh, you know, I've, I've you know, I've, I've worked at, you know, I've worked for, I worked for Big Burrito. I worked at the Ace Hotel. I worked at the Oaklander Hotel. And, you know, though a lot of that was, a lot of what I did there was creating a great environment that people knew type of service they were going to receive when they arrived and you know um, because of that I had people that would follow me from one restaurant to another restaurant to the hotels and would come and stay and and it, and it was because they knew the type of environment that I could create with my staff and they knew that I at the at the at the background I was always driving that culture and that environment and um, and that ultimately won a lot of, you know, my, my, um, you know, the people above me that were looking at those bottom lines and saying, how, how can you create more profit from us? I was like, well, I'm going to do what I know best. And this is what I know best. I know customer service best. <clears throat> and I'm going to continue driving that. And if I continue driving that, other things will start to fall into place. And it will also give me the ability to really look at you know, what is actually happening here? You know, okay, now we need to, we need to add more things to a menu. Or we need to take things off or we need to add other kind of programs that will help boost what, you know, a check average will look like at the end of the night, you know? And so that, that, that is how I have always approached it is by doing what I do really well. And then starting to say, you know, this is what I do well. You hired me for this. You had problems here. I'm going to attack those things. Here's how I'm going to attack those things. And things I don't know how to attack, 
I'm going to figure it out. You know, I'm going to figure it out by seeing like, you know, let's see how this works. And if I can get us to a stabilized place, then I can start to really assess how we can really amp this up, you know. Michael, similar, uh, similar to <clears throat> the fixer element of this, um, I'm now becoming, uh, I'm perseverating on the consultant uh, aspect of this because yeah, yeah. to me, it's really intriguing um, and specifically the dynamic. Um, here's what I want to kind of uh, pick your brain on. And Patrick mentioned something about asking courageous questions or, or, you know, in terms of like, maybe you need to say like, hey, do you need to change the name of this or, or whatever? I would actually even challenge, I wonder, and I'm asking you, you know, I feel like that conversation could potentially be a little bit easier because you're coming from the outside in as right. a consultant. Like you could take those, you could say those things and not really care about hurting somebody's feelings, right? It's kind of your job. So I think there's probably some advantages to those elements being an outside consultant, a third party that doesn't have to worry about necessarily like saying hi to them the next day if you hurt their feelings, right? What are some of the challenges though, as not being part of that team, maybe the entire run, you're there for a, a brief, you know, glimmer of time to help them get on their feet and then you're gone. That's what my impression is of this consultant role. What are the, the challenges then? Um, if there are some advantages, it seems. I, I think the biggest challenge is, um, is uh, longevity, right? Is, is being able to take what, um, you know, the, 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 the fixes that I've, you know, that I've proposed and making sure that there's longevity in them and making sure that they're sustainable for, for the team that is working there. And also making sure that, that, you know, it, it fits the identity of that particular establishment. You know, the, the, also the way I look at things is I've never approached any, any, any job that I've had as um, the one before, you know, I look at it as, okay, what's interesting about, about this job, you know, and, um, and what's different. And so I'm going to take it for this environment and this team that's currently here. And I'm going to make, I'm going to become a part of this team for whatever amount of time, whether I was there for years or, or months, and I'm going to make this better. And then I'm also going to try and make it sustainable. You know, I'm going to make, I'm going to show them the possibility I'm going to say, here's, here's the possibility and here are the ways that I did it. You know, here's the detail of how I did it. Here are the things to pay attention to. When you, when you hit, when you hit a snag, it's, 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 it's fixable. You know, I mean, I think, I think I don't, I, I'm of the belief that there's nothing that doesn't have a solution, you know? And so I think that there are solutions to everything. It may not be the solution that we want or that we think it is, but there is a solution and there is a way to work at it. And sometimes part of that is thinking way too big, right? And so I think that a lot of, a lot of people that are looking specifically for a consultant, I think in most, in most businesses and industries is that you know you're you're you've hit a you hit a snag you hit a wall a little bit and you're like something's not working so i need we need an outside perspective and we need somebody that can take the time out of the day to work with our teams to to overcome this hurdle a little bit right and i think a lot of it is especially management is thinking way too big and broad a lot of times and they have to remember the small details and that's the job i take as a consultant that's how i see myself i'm like i start looking at the, you know i start, i do a lot of listening so I, I i start really listening to how people talk you know i think it was you know my angelou and i'm going to paraphrase here that said you know it's not it's not about what we say 
um, but it's but it's about what we do that we're going to be remembered by, right? You know, and I think that that there's something to be said for that. You know, finding a way to make people remember us and and by creating a a feeling, a, a vibe, and also really just for them knowing that they're being heard and that their frustrations are being heard and their successes are being celebrated and um, finding ways to make all those things apparent to especially, you know, um, a business that might be struggling a little bit. It's a lot, it's a lot of work and it's, and, and it definitely has, it, it can be challenging sometimes, um, but really making people hear that um, and then saying, here's how I did that, you know, here are the skills. And so I hand over a lot of what my process is to my clients so that they can see. And I, and I ask that everybody be a part of it. You know, I ask that, again, I work in a collaborative way. So I'm not taking teams into separate rooms and giving them secret ways of how to work around managers to, to you know, meet, meet a goal or a task. I'm doing it with everybody in the room and I'm making sure that management is aware of what we're doing. And I want everybody to have a say, you know, and, and I wanna know what has been done in the past and what has been, and, and was that successful or why wasn't it successful and how can we maybe approach it from a different angle? How much of uh, how much of this role with consulting? How much like um, proactivity is involved in terms of like re I feel like there would be, need to be so much research that's needed. Like before you even walk in the door, what are you even starting this process with? Like, are you looking into the company, the people, yeah. the city, the co like? What all goes into it before you even step in the door? It seems like it'd be a lot. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a bit of a research nerd, so I, I get really geeky about. Um, um, you know, kind of research and picking things apart. And I, I love that aspect of, of everything really. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I do take a lot of time. Um, I, I tend to go to that as, if it's a restaurant, I tend to go the, to that restaurant pretty frequently, or I spend, I spend time watching it, driving past it, sitting outside of it, kind of creepy, I guess, but just kind of seeing how, how a day plays out. Uh, how, how guests go in and how they come out, um, how people interact with each other. You know, I've gone in and, you know, had lunch, dinner, breakfast, you know, whatever. I've, you know, I, I've done that at, at, at the restaurants that I've worked at that I was managing myself. I spend a lot, you know, of time working inside restaurants to see, um, you know, how, how my team is handling um, situations, how, you know, um, how guests are responding. Um, how 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 frequently we're busy? When are the busiest times? Um, because then that starts to inform how we attack certain goals. Like, you know, how do we boost covers? How do we boost, um, you know, uh, check averages? You know, things like that. And it it comes down to that bottom line again. Like, how how can I boost that? Well, I got to know when we're busy. I got to know when those things happen. So I do. I it it, it is a lot of time. Um, but it is something that I enjoy, and I think that it's 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 um, it's needed. It's needed for me to sit and see how how customers are responding to what an establishment is doing, and how um, you know, and and kind of following that at different times, and then being able to say, well, you know, I yeah, I I saw this happen during lunch. You're busy here during you know dinner. It nothing happens until this time, or you always have a line at the same time of day. How can we how can we make that? How can we make that line spread out over time, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah. And then I take a look at market. 
I take a look at the market that they're in. I take a look at competitors and what are other competitors doing that are making them busy or, or are accomplishing goals that this business is trying to accomplish. And then I start, uh, and then I do the same thing there. I start watching what's going on there. I go there and I have dinner or lunch or breakfast. And I start saying, okay, I see what they're doing. And I say, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense here, you know? Hey, Michael, um, mine's more of a comment, but uh, I think you have one of the best jobs in the world. How can I get involved in this? Because <laughs> um, I love to eat. But anyway, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, that would be cool. Um, but I think your message really speaks loud for other leaders uh, that they would take the time to observe, to listen, to, to make themselves available to just, I mean, just to be there, not always shouting, yelling, or I'll tell you what, I, I, I've been in leadership positions and the best, the best quality or the best thing that I did was just listen and just observe. And I'll tell you what, it gave me more answers and it answered more questions than, than anything. So that was more of a comment. So I applaud mm -hmm. you. And I think that our listeners could really benefit from that. And if you do need an assistant, I'll give you my email at the end of the show. <laughs> okay. So All I right. can do some right. testing. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I, I, thanks. I mean, I also, I also, you know, I'm of the belief and, you know, this is where, you know, the, the name for my company, Brave Hospitality kind of came from. It came from, um, you know, a, 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 a poem by a really great, um, uh, poet uh, by Nikki Scott Bay Jones, and she she has a poem called "An Invitation to Brave Space," and it and and it really is, um, you know, in it towards the end of it, she really says, um, you know, this is not going to be perfect, um, but it will be a safe space, and it will be our space, and so. Um, you know, for me, you know, in, in becoming a consultant, I was like, what can I do? And what are my core beliefs? And for me, it is about being brave. You know, I've been brave in the roles that I've fulfilled. I've been brave in my career path, go getting to where I am today. And, um, and, and, it, and it wasn't perfect. And I'm, and I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm a flawed human, but, you know, but I do try to be as brave and I try to be present and I try um, again, to like you said, listen as much as possible, you know, and I take um, a lot of time doing that uh, in, in the places that I work and I take a lot of time, you know, um, assessing, you know, what what is really valuable and what's being said here. What can I pick out of this that that are common threads that a, a lot of people at these establishments are saying and and how can I attack that, you know, and, th and that's really where a lot of the keys come from. Um, for me is, you know, really sitting down. That's why I talk to managers and owners and, and, and um, customers sometimes. And, you know, and of course, you know, the staff at, at an establishment, because when you see the through line, see them saying the same things, sometimes that's the key that when you're in it, you can't hear all the time because you're in it and you're worried about, you know, the operation, the day-to-day -day of it. And um, sometimes the outsider is like, you know, everybody is saying this and why, you know, and I've asked why hasn't that happened yet? Or why does this keep happening? Um, and, and that's where, that's where the unravel starts to happen. Right. And so for me, that's, that's what I, I always research to find. And that's why I love that aspect of my job because I, I, I love finding that, that nugget and being able to say, okay, here, here's the core thing that is really causing 
the wall that we keep hitting. So let's let's backstep, okay? Because you know, I, I usually don't start there, but I backstep and say, okay, what is that? And let's go all the way to the beginning. And let's go all the way to, you know, some of it comes down to, you know, um, establishments not really um, explaining what the, what the what what the goal of the establishment is, right? And what the business goal is and what the owners might have in mind and what what is the kind of demographic we're looking to to bring in here. And are we getting that? And if we're not, well maybe we need to change that part of how we how we market ourselves and how we how we talk about it because um, you know, sometimes that happens, you know, and, and so it's about, for me, it's about working a little bit backwards and, and really, like you said, listening and, and finding those little, you know, pieces that go, okay, these are the common threads that everybody is, is talking about. Excellent. Thank you, Michael. So we're going to give you one last uh, tough question, I think is going to kind of make you look over the horizon a little bit. Um, from your experience, you know, I really hope in my, like you said, by next summer, we really start to see the reemergence of kind of whatever will become the new normal. What opportunities do you think the industry has to kind of create a really new and unique experience from your perspective? Um, you know, I, I think that, I think that that's, that's a really hard question to, to answer right now. I think that the, the, the industry has received, um, so little um, guidance and, and really big support in a lot of ways. And, um, and you know, it's, it was really frustrating at the beginning. And, you know, talking to friends and colleagues of mine, it's, it's we're in a really difficult place. You know, we're in a really hard place because um, uh, there, there's, there's a lack of, of um, kind of value for what we do as an industry at large, we kind of all feel. And then there's also um, a, a lack of people actually seeing through to the real, um, through every aspect of, of the industry, you know, from, you know, creating grants and whatnot is wonderful and it's great, but it's like, how does that really affect, um, um, how does that affect, uh, you know, a small restaurant that has 10 employees and, and, you know, how does that overall affecting the industry and how are we distributing those things and how are we tackling it? And I think that, you know, it's, it, that part is, is really uncertain right now because, um, you know, big corporate business was looked at from the beginning, but, you know, our industry was kind of, kind of left behind a little and we were left, to kind of um, gather ourselves and 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 find ways to survive, and you know, and a lot of us are mourning those that didn't survive, you know, and I think that moving forward, I think the one thing that will keep our industry alive and really um, bring it back, I think, is um, you know people like um, you know myself and and people that are. Are, are running, you know, successful takeout or curbside businesses now. Um, those people that still have the passion for hospitality is what's going to make this, um, this industry survive. And I think that, that it, they're the ones who are going to rebuild it because the ability and the desire to want to return to work and the desire to maybe want to change that concept a little bit and change the way that maybe we operate 
um, is really what's going to sustain us all. I really think that, you know, and I think that, you know, I've had friends that have shut down their business and haven't reopened. I've had other friends that have that have closed, you know, and I've other friends that adapted really quickly, you know, and I have to say the people that adapted really quickly was out of a, 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 a desire to still their passion, their passion kept them driving, right? And I'm not saying that the other people weren't as passionate. I just think that it, it was such a shock to all of our systems that, you know, if we can latch on together and again, collaborate with, with people that still have that passion for hospitality, that's really what's going to bring, bring it, bring us back. Awesome. So Michael, I think you have over the last 50 minutes or so ran a gauntlet of some pretty difficult questions, <laughs> which you've responded fantastically. So we're oh, going to give you a little, a little easier one to kind of sure. maybe rest, start to wrap up the show. So we're moving into the holidays. And yeah. over your shoulder, we can see this um, fine collection of spirits and buns. So we want to know, what's your favorite holiday drink? What's, what are some recommendations, perhaps, that we should be considering? Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, my favorite holiday drink um, would, would really probably be a, a Moscow Mule. I love a ginger drink. I love ginger and, and, and vodka together, for sure. Um, and, you know, just add a little, a little fizzy soda on top of that. And that's, uh, to me, that's the perfect holiday. All right. And it's okay in a solo cup, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I have, I have a 16 ounce one, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to uh, turn the show over here to Dennis and Angela, just some, some final thoughts, and then we'll get yours as well before we kind of begin to wrap up. So Angela or Dennis. Well, I'll, I'll kick it off. So, Michael, first of all, I just want to thank you for being here. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you, you know, you don't know this about me, but I, I advise a bunch of students at Point Park and in the School of Business and, um, you know, hospitality and all that kind of stuff is part of what I do. I have students that are going in this direction. And I think, first of all, for me, as somebody who advises these programs, you know, you've given me a little bit more confidence just for my students to be in it. It seems scary right now for people to be in a lot of different um, goals, right? Like just even for my freshmen that started this fall, I tell them all the time, you guys should be so proud. You, if there was ever a time to just quit your dreams, to not move forward, 2020 sounds like a fair enough excuse to me, right? So I, I, I know we, we wanted to maybe stop with the hard questions and this may be a hard question, but I was just curious, Michael, with your experience background and just the comfort you've provided me, is there any kind of encouragement or comfort that you would give to the students across the country that are pursuing degrees in hospitality, in business, and things like that that are getting hit hard? And as Dennis and others have said, this isn't going to last forever, but things will carry on that we're not used to. Do you have any words of wisdom or encouragement for students heading into this industry that might be nervous? Yeah, I think, I think we, as, we as humans are, have a desire to... Um, congregate, to commune together. And that is what the hospitality industry is, whether you're in a hotel, whether you're in restaurants, um, you know, whether you're working on cruise ships, you know, it's, it's, about, it's about providing a service and being of service to, to guests and providing an experience. And I think that that will return. We have an innate human um, desire to want to be with people, to want to be around people, to want to share food with people, cultures get told, you know, um, uh, traditions get passed down through food and, and whatnot. And that will happen again. We, that will happen again. And we need you. 
And we need we need everybody that has a desire or an, an inkling of, of, of passion to to be involved in this business to help our business our industry return and 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 you know continue through the future well patrick i or patrick michael sorry <laughs> it's okay <laughs> michael i uh, as a foodie and not working in industry but participating um i would like to <laughs> say that i appreciate your passion and your contributions to the industry and I also appreciate your leadership style. So, I mean, every, we could keep going on and on and on because you've been such a, a great guest and I'm sure we're going to have you back on again. I, I think that uh, this was wonderful. Uh, the one thing, there's two things I'm just going to remind you of or suggest, hey, we need to get a t-shirt called The Fixer. Uh, <laughs> and get it out there with your company yeah. on it. And uh, yeah. also, don't forget, I'll be sending you my application here soon, okay? <laughs> All right, yeah. It, it, it was, it, it's been great having you. Thanks. It's really been great to be here, guys. Thank you so much. I always need a good dining guest, so, you know, hey, I'm, I'm open. I'm open. Well, I think we certainly have three individuals that will be certainly getting your number. So anytime we'll make the awesome. time for it. But how can, awesome. uh, like you said, our audience stay connected with you and the work you're doing in the, in the region, um, you know, just moving forward? Um, I'm, I'm currently working on, um, you know, uh, my Instagram page, uh, but uh, I am um, working on that and working on my website at the moment with Brave Hospitality. Um, other than that, I mean, you can find me on Instagram at MichaelG78. That's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Excellent. Well, we will certainly make sure that we include your contact in our show notes. Um, and again, as we mentioned, we would love to have you come back. You know, your demeanor, I think, in an industry that is is kind of being built as the customer is experiencing it. You know, it's a really tactile environment where you know the food, the energy, the the people, the environment, like that's all being created and it's being created mm -hmm. by individuals like yourself who are putting so much time and dedication and thought to every element you know that you experience and that's uh somebody like you said who really is appreciative of their craft and truly like you said you are a connoisseur of that field and you know, i think it comes back to you know the quote that i often come back to think about is this idea that you know success seems to be always connected with action and despite what might be happening in an environment successful people keep moving you know they may make mistakes but they don't quit and you clearly typify this, this quote. And, you know, I want to thank you for illuminating these characteristics, you know, because again, it's synonymous across industry and you're doing a wonderful job, like I said, in, in the field that you're in. And uh, we're very gracious for you to be here today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Well, listeners, everybody, thank you again for joining us and joining Michael here for our conversation. And again, we look forward to having you on a future episode. And we also thank you for your continued support of our podcast and our show, because uh, without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we do and bring you these amazing conversations. And we, along with Michael, look forward to seeing you on a future episode. Thank you, everybody. Take care.